Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask does not Okay, okay. I'm I'm definitely watching Chicago after this. <laughs> I'm putting on a whole performance after this, y'all. Oh my god. See, this is why. This is why. Okay. <clears throat> Professional. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holy Liquid Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson. And for you freaky motherfuckers out there, Sebastian Adams. On today's episode, I have Tyrell back. How are you doing, good sir? doing well sir how are you you know i'm doing great because black boys are delicious (laughs) (laughs) are nutritious (laughs) and y'all who are listening to this we are not even drinking yet (laughs) oh my god (laughs) y'all so uh before before we even sat down to record i was on the instagrams right and i'm going to have to remember to post the um this what i was watching in the show notes so that y'all could understand the context of everything but you know i was on instagram one of my favorite art uh, authors bernice McFadden. she uh, posted something in the in the video it was just someone singing the song i, I don't know if it's a song they wrote or whatever but in there they were talking about black boys black boys being delicious nutritious talk by our mocha skin and all this others i'm like oh oh i'm choppy oh oh my god yummy oh continue to describe me but it was also very cringe just because of who was you know saying these things and the reason why this is important is because the, the context of this conversation for today is black fetishization so the universe did what it needed to do so that we just introduce this topic the way that we had to so and of course i did send it to tyrell too because look might as well yeah, what was your take on that video? If y'all listen to the song, it has a catchy jingle. The yes. lyrics actually really are true, but as far as that, it's like the person who is coming from, that's the part that what makes it cringe. So you have to kind of like hear it twice so that way you can hear the lyrics and like see how they do ring true. But then it's like the other side of your brain is like, no, this is just not right. Right, it's the delivery. Like we have to remember it's all about the messenger. I get, don't shoot the messenger, but send the right messenger. Like, I'm not going to distance Sparta and kick your ass down a hole, but look, yeah, yeah. I appreciate what you said about me, but mm, 
context matters. Context yeah. matter in all of this. Like, what are we doing here? I, I look <clears throat> again, like we were saying before the show. I just need that to be like an R and B or hip hop or pop uh, song, and see how we can make this work. Like Meg, find this song, flip and reverse it. I'm here for it. Add Missy Ellie on it too because I love Missy. And Missy can do some artistic shit with this song. Oh my God. I see her having a video of black men melting like chocolate and then chocolate going over um, um, other women's bodies and them tasting it. And all. Oh my God. Oh, that would be sick. That would be lit. That would be so lit. Ooh. Okay, I'm sorry. My um y'all put that out into the universe. <laughs> yes, y'all. Let's and make this be- happen. And we better get credit for it. Exactly. Look, I only uh, okay, I take like a good five percent of the royalties on that. Let me not be too too selfish and whatnot. But... Sure, considering my finances, I'll take two point five. <laughs> right. get it to th- at least get it to three. Right. Just just a little a boost. <laughs> make sure I can survive a little bit. You know, that's all. Mm-hmm. Look, them residual checks and when you save them and they add up baby. Look, listen sustainable income fuck a passive mm-hmm. passive means you got to do a little bit of work Mm-mm, i'd rather just mm-hmm. already have the work out there and it just keep on going mm-hmm. royalties they matter they do <laughs> <laughs> so missy and uh meg what's up what we doing i could be in the video too mm. yeah y'all um, need some extra y'all need some extra voice like hello we here Look, we're serving body types. We're we're serving the chocolate. We're 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 serving the drip in a different way. Let me Ooh. melt on these motherfuckers. Let them crave my chocolate flavor. Oh, shout out to Zay. Anyways, <laughs> what the fuck am I on today, Lord? <laughs> and I'll preface again. This is all before we've had any drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get in the actual conversation of Black fetishization. So Ooh, first off, Tyrell, how do you feel about Black fetishization? Ooh, okay. So, I mean, if we're talking about like, because I, I feel like there's a lot of different spectrums that this could be talked about. I was so glad to like have this kind of topic because um, over the past year, I've actually been delving into the nature of um, of, kink, of kink and BDSM. Uh, Just, you know, novelty stuff, not actually, you know, doing anything just as of yet, but really trying to understand uh, differences between kinks and fetishes, where it is that they, you know, sort of overlap. And so there, you know, we can talk about like the like the clinical definitions and things like that. But then also there is a inherent power dynamic that we talk about and the downside and dark side to um, black kink and fetishization as well. Mm. Mm -hmm. So. You're right. I think like with when it comes to being fetishized and whatnot, we have to understand the level of respect within that. Like, uh, am I being seen as a human within this or am I being seen as an object? And I think that's something that really does play a role whenever you do things like this. Like uh, one of the things we did talk about uh, within the intake was just, you know, like boundaries of being fetish and I'm for a fetishized. And I know like for myself, I am comfortable with somebody like worshiping my body uh, in a respectful way, but not making me feel as though 
I'm the object in the room, making me feel as though I'm being dehumanized, right. um, but I'm being appreciated. And, and when it comes to like my skin, I don't mind somebody, you know, appreciating the beauty that is me. But right. when when it always have to be the black dick, the black tits, the black ass, the black this, like, let me know that my, I, I right. got that cocoa um, dripping all over you. Like, let me know, like. Get yes. sex me with some wordage, like give me some adjectives that's not all about my race. Then right. maybe I'll be a little bit more comfortable in yeah. these spaces. And and here's the thing, like, and and of course this would take, you know, much more research and things like that. Like you really have to delve into like the history of it. But the, I think the reason why this topic is so prevalent is because when we talk about Black fetishization, again, like you say, it's not necessarily the fetishizing of like, body parts or you know things like that that's innately what fetish is but in particularly like in in kink communities there it's a very controversial topic about the nature of race play mm. because when you start delving into scene roles and fetishizing based off the nature of someone's skin color it's reinforcing this kind of um self-deprecating uh system that of course, stems back to the history of how uh, black bodies being dismembered and, di and, you know, demoralized, where all we, you know, all that stems from our history is being subjugated to, you know, the nature of chattel slavery and how our bodies are used, you know, in, in those contexts. And so it just it just reinforces that. So no matter if you're trying to put it into a kind of uh, kink or fetish kind of scenario, you know, kind of uh, play and scenario, it's still going to have that reinforced nature because that's something that has never gone away. And speaking directly uh, to anyone who's listening for, you know, um, for Black women, especially, there's a brokenness in society and self-esteem, especially for the, that of the Black woman. And that um, particularly like in the kink world, um, there is an there's a negative association with like black women being called like heavy bottoms because they have to prove themselves and somebody has to, you know, have trauma, you know, they have to come from trauma. So black women, you know, uh, sometimes in certain kink dynamics or uh, expressing certain fetishes. Um, it's been this kind of stereotype, and especially for darker skinned women as well, that you use fetishization and kink to like cover up abuse mm. or to, uh, you know, or to cover up um, mis mis misgivings or misdealings that, you know, that you've had in the past in relationship dynamics and things like that. So, yeah, it's a very dark side to the nature of talking about fetishization and kink. Because all while it's supposed to be in the nature of uh, safe fun, keyword being safe, yeah, you may be acting out a scene or acting out a role as being safe, but do you feel emotionally safe? Do you feel psychologically safe? You know, so that takes on a whole different kind of time, uh, connotation. You know, and I think it's great that you mentioned the aspect of, you know, people thinking that these uh, most definitely black women, whenever they're within these kink spaces, that it's uh, something towards acting out trauma. Um, granted, yes, some people do utilize um, kinks for, uh, you know, exposure therapy or what have you, or to have ownership of a narrative that they've gone through. Mm -hmm. But that's not the majority of 
the kink spaces. Like, um, I think, uh, I feel as though a good bit of that comes from uh, us being in a society that always wants to focus on the um, pathologize or pathologization, whatever, making, mm. yeah, making everything um, based in pathology that there's something wrong with uh, other people by going outside of the norm or exploring things that we don't have within our narrative of what is identified as normal. So mm. there's something wrong with these people. So what is it that impact them to make them want to do this rather than acknowledging that you know, people just have fantasies. People just exactly. want to try different things. People want to explore other things. It's not always because, oh, this person had to have been a victim. Like, I remember there was this conversation. Um, uh, there was this um, Black woman uh, in a group of other uh, women. Uh, I don't think it was all Black women, but uh, she mentioned how she felt very privileged that she's one of the only few people that she know to never have been sexually assaulted, harassed, or anything like that. Mm. Uh, and how, yeah, she appreciate the narratives of the uh, and the awareness of you know like believing women and whatnot. But to attribute that story to all women uh, makes her feel a lot uh, left out. But she also recognized the fi her feelings of being left out of that conversation is still a privilege. Exactly. So I, I think like within these spaces and us creating these narratives about other people, we have to recognize that we... <laughs> We don't have to focus so much on the pathology. We don't have to focus so much on this person have to have gone through something just for them to want uh, have the drive to be successful, to be successful, or any case like that. Because look, some people have a very, very manila life. They have a, uh, a very happy life that they haven't had to experience any traumas or anything like that. And it's good that they have that. It's right. a beautiful thing. Right. And and it's such a um miss uh it's one, it's a stereotype. And then two, it's just based off of false information too. Like uh people who get into uh BDSM and kink and things like that, that you're trying to work out some sort of trauma, which I'm not saying, like you said, that's you know, it could be true for you know a mm -hmm. good segment or population of people, but that's not the main uh narrative. Um for anyone that is not familiar, um, BDSM is about uh, power exchange. You're building a healthy dynamic between you and all partners that you are uh, engaging in, in play with. And those roles are negotiated when certain roles are agreed on. So, you know, BDSM can be anything from sensual and, uh, to, and sadistic, of course, uh, the nature of dominant and submissive are about energy. They're not about identity roles. You don't have to like in everything and you definitely get to define uh, your limits and what aligns for you. And what aligns for you is not going to be the nature of abuse. It's not going to be the result of, of trauma um, or inherent even gender dynamics. So um, so, yeah, it's a very falsehood, the fact that kink does not have to be uh, built on the nature of psycho of some type of psychological trauma or reason, you know, so. Mm -hmm. um, another thing uh, I want to bring up is, like, at least for yourself, have you ever experienced being fetishized? Mm. 
I have experienced being fetishized like on in online spaces, mm-hmm. particularly from from white men. Um, but it's not even to say like it's exclusively white men. Mm-hmm. I do want to I do want to preface that there is a culture, especially uh, being same gender loving or gay or however you want to, you know, identify, but in within queer communities that, um, you know, like you'll be scrolling online all of a sudden, like you get this message or you match with someone. And the first thing that they're asking is, you know, about that BBC, that big black cock or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, something that, uh, you know, just as innately is just a turn off. It's like, even if I had some sort of interest in engaging with you, I don't now, just because like out of our first couple messages, the the first, and, and it's kind of like to say, like, I think sometimes people feel like if you're on an, if you're on a website that is prone to hookup culture, why mm-hmm. are you mad about it? But it's still the nature of like, it doesn't make it an excuse just because mm-hmm. you happen to be on online, you may be looking for a hookup or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you may be looking for at this point in time, but that still gives no right for someone to uh, fetishize you. The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss includes kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. Be looking for a hookup or, you know, whatever it is that you know you may be looking for at this point in time, but that still gives no right for someone to uh, fetishize you. Mm. You know, that's not an excuse. And uh, thanks for mentioning that, like the apps that we use and everything. And this is kind of going back uh, into the uh, conversation that we had that previous episode about, you know, the scripts and whatnot. Mm. Like, um, just because I'm in this space doesn't mean that I have to follow the script of what everybody else defined for the space. Like, we make the experiences that we want to have on these apps it's cool. great that you want to utilize this only for strictly hookups and um, your hookups can be defined within three messages. Um, I love that for you, but don't think that I have to follow that same path. Don't expect me to be the same person as you because we're whole two different individuals regardless. Exactly. And I think that like, even when it comes to uh, when I utilize apps and uh, cause I've had those similar experiences from uh, people of all races. And, uh, and it's always that BBC kind of conversation that, oh, um, do you have BBC or just BBC question mark or send me that dick or, you know, all these things right. um, that just makes me feel uncomfortable. But like, when I'm looking on these apps and seeing the profiles, the names, uh, stuff that people have on their profiles, I'm like, how much of this is really you? Or how much is this you, uh, how much of it is you marketing to other people that this 
I'm going to fulfill your needs because I see um, profiles saying BBC looking or um, looking uh, or I want BBC and all these other things. But I'm like, is this really you? Like, <laughs> it, right. it, what is it that is driving you? Like, are you selling, not necessarily selling yourself, but self, but you know, what what how how are you marketing you, yourself right like, and it's almost like a catch-22 because on one hand it's like the audacity for you to say for you to say something like this because mm -hmm. it's like okay that really lets me know what's going on in your mind but also it's kind of like it's not necessarily say a good thing but it's a good thing to see because then that just lets me know like okay you're someone i definitely don't want to be engaging mm -hmm. with so in a lot of ways, it you know, it keeps you from, you know, wasting time, you know, with people then, you know, just to find out, oh, like I'm being fetishized, of course. But um, but yeah, I don't. And, and it's something that is so ingrained in in the in our in in just culture that seeing the black body as just an object mm -hmm. and. And I'm not going to say that, you know, other groups of people don't do it or that even uh, communities within our people don't, you know, fetishize others as well. You know, I, I can honestly say, like, for me, just speaking for myself, I've never had this like, oh, like if I was to see like uh, someone who is uh, white or Asian or any other type of ethnicity, my mind does not go to fetishizing things about them based on their ethnicity or their background mm -hmm. or something like that. Like, I don't like my mind does not translate like, oh, okay, this particular group of people are known for having this and this as far as body, as far as body types or body parts. So, you know, that's where I don't understand. Like, of course, we all know black and brown people come in so many different shades, body sizes, colors, mm -hmm. whatever. And, but you just, seem fixated you know on this notion of bbc which of course we know where you know of course that that stems from but yeah it's like come on like we living in 2023 yes and i, I know like some of the communities that i've seen being fetishized mostly outside of the black people specifically the uh, asian woman um mm -hmm. uh, is someone who's um, more, most likely um, being fetishized as well I would say on, in some in some aspect Asian men mm -hmm. um, uh, of course you know black and brown people in general but um, and I've been thinking about white people in a way but I don't think uh, of course I could be wrong but I don't necessarily see white people uh, actually being fetishized because in our society with um we whiteness is the standard right so that is the thing that you're supposed to desire the thing that you're supposed to want yes you have those people within multiple co communities who just like you know i'm not no black people I only want white people and all this other stuff but i don't see that as them seeing them as a fetish like you know you have like the the snow bunny and all these other things but mm -hmm. that snow bunny is not a fetish that snow bunny is still going to be seen as a full human being right within the space of their sexual encounters or even the way that they interact with this person right they're still going to still have that sense of humanity outside of when it's on the reverse that's something that i've um been exposed to and of course again could be wrong because i don't speak for everybody um but 
it's like, is it possible for white people to be fetishized um, with them still being, you know, the idea of what success is supposed to be, ideal of what love is supposed to be, um, supposed to be what beauty is supposed to be all of that because you know the culture we live in wow. so is it possible hmm. that's a really interesting question like I don't I don't I'm not going to never say never because we never know what changes you know within our mm. cultural climates but mm. I don't see I don't see that really ever happening and I guess it's because like in in spaces that I, you know, frequent in, even for, you know, younger Black men, older Black men uh, who may be, you know, with, you know, uh, you know, white partners or whatever, there is this sense, like you say, because of the fact that whiteness has always been, we've always measured the standard of beauty based on whiteness, mm-hmm. there, it, you know, yeah, of course, when I was first starting to venture into looking at porn and things like that. Of course, like I watch white porn and stuff like that, of course. But um, and especially because like they had some of like the main best storytelling mm-hmm. <laughs> like you've ever seen. But um, but yeah, it was never one of those things like I fetishized to be with a white man, you know, just you know, based off of that. And I think that in some ways it's kind of like this, not necessarily role reversal, but again, it's a it's a schism that for I can't speak for a white man because I'm not in the embodiment of a white man but it's something about there's a there's a deviance that's always been associated with black and brown bodies and I think when you attach that fetishization with it it's kind of like yeah when I am able to have this black body when I'm able to fully indulge in this so-called you know fetish or kink that I have then that somehow uh, is the epitome of like a sexual awakening of some kind. Mm. So I don't, so personally for me, I don't think that we will ever get to a place of whiteness being fetishized because of the fact it's always been the standard of how we equate beauty. Mm. You know, so I don't think that that will uh, change. What I am hoping for though is I can say like uh, there are, a numerous amount of content creators out here and people in their everyday relationships that kind of try to skirt around conversations with white counterparts, no matter if they're in relation with them, or you may just be doing a scene, you may have a scene partner because you're doing content creation that try to skirt around the nature of the issue of being fetishized. Mm. And I'm hoping that those conversations uh, can be a lot more productive because it's not to shut down the conversation. It is not to say like, oh, you know, white men should be off limits or black men should be off limits or, you know, what have you. You know, I feel to believe people should love who they love. It's not mm-hmm. for me, but people, you know, should love, you know, who they want to love or be uh, in a scene with who they want to be a scene with and then not be a not be a thing. But let's not ignore the elephant in the room either. Let's like mm. let's not pretend like it doesn't exist. I get you there. Yeah. I, I agree one hundred percent. And I think like one of the things I feel like we it's important to delineate that is that you know fetishization 
and objectification are two different things. Right. Because the reason why I feel like feel the need to do so is because in this conversation, I feel as though someone may think that, well, you know, this does happen to other people, like, because, uh, you know, people be objectified all the time. And yeah, mm-hmm. a part of being uh, fetishized is being made uh, to be an object, uh, an object of someone's pleasure and whatnot. But it's not necessarily the same as being objectified Um, because, yes, we do objectify people in different scenarios, be it uh, if someone's famous, uh, we see them as a, you know, oh, I would love to have them. You know, we see them as a commodity and whatnot, um, something to purchase, something to, uh, you know, buy, all these other things but it's not necessarily the same as making them into a fetish. Um, And yes, there's a huge history of women being objectified in different ways, most definitely white women, black women, women, uh, all women of color, like in, you know, men as well can be objectified. You can be objectified in your own relationship, but it's not the same as being fetishized. Right. Yeah. And then like to, and also just to put it into like a little bit of context, like, when we talk about, you know, kink, fetishization, objectification, like I think just to put some, you know, small definitions out there, like, um, like, cause of like a lot of times, like even we've had the conversations, like a lot of people don't really even know the difference really between kink and, and fetish. Mm. And like, I like how um, there's a mental health clinician. I think her name is uh, Shanae Adams, basically, you know, kind of puts it into context. A kink is something that turns you on whereas a fetish is something you need in order to get turned on to be aroused so a lot of times like even when people talk about like i'm just going to put it out there you know um i have a kind of kink for feet Mm -hmm. and so but a lot of times feet will be associated as a fetish instead of a kink um because of the fact that people automatically and i think it's not just because of the wordplay but I think they associate the nature of if you have a fetish with something, then it must be something of like a body part. So like for me, for example, just speaking for myself, like I tend to say like I have a foot kink instead of a fetish because although it can turn that way, uh, it's kind of like if you have a foot fetish, for example, that means that you need to receive or give something involving feet in order to experience an orgasm. For me, it's something that, um, yeah, I like. Yeah, I like to. Um, it, it is something that turns me on, but I don't necessarily need to, you know, have something done or you know do something or receive something involving feet for me to like experience an orgasm either. Mm. So, for one, just putting that kind of you know context, uh, you know, out there, but um, but yeah, just the nature of the both of those definite and then like you say objectification is something i think uh not necessarily entirely different but the nuances of objectifying someone means to me for me it's always meant that there's an element of degrading someone Mm. and if that degrading is not in the context of a kind of bdsm scenario where that we're as far as like we're doing this as far as like a scene play of some kind, then that's where it crosses it crosses bounds. So just like one of the 
all-time movies that, you know, gets trash, which it should be. <laughs> like, the whole thing, like, whenever people think about kink or whatever, they immediately think about Fifty Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And as we know, Fifty Shades of Grey is not is is not accurate to uh kink life that is based on the nature of abuse glamorizing controlling behavior where consent is a gray area you know and that is completely not what kink is and so when you're thinking about the types of play between impact and bondage and rough play uh even psychological um aspects of kink role play um erotic humiliation as we're, you know, thinking about uh, certain things that we could typically, that we would think of as degrading. However, if it's in the nature of like an erotic humiliation aspect, there's a whole lot of things that have been worked out before Mm -hmm. that even gets put. So even just to go back to the nature of feet for a minute, um, I'm not necessarily into like foot humiliation, but some people may be into uh, having their feet stomped on or, you know, something, you know, involving some sort of like humiliation play. However, that's not the same thing as objectification because that's taking place in a set of agreed rules and context that is based on the nature of consent. Mm -hmm. So it's not an objectification where it's just, oh, like you see me, you see I have this particular feature or whatever. So you just want to objectify me and degrade me when you don't even know me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think, uh, I, like the the importance of conversations like this is for, like, when people hear things like this, uh, hopefully it causes them to self reflect on how they view other people, how they uh, interact with people and see them. Because when it comes to being fetishized, give give the person opportunity to consent to that. You know, oh. like when it comes to those scenes of like um you know uh what is it the the slave play the interracial and you know the the race play uh scenarios where you might have someone being a white slave owner and a black guy black woman being the the slave to them in in utilizing language that you might see are here within those times well let's be real that was that language is still being used today but you know um the way that they interact within that scene all of that has been agreed upon right Right. they are comfortable with with hearing these words they are comfortable with having that displayed within that scene and outside of that the person might not even be with this um black person because of them being black it's just because they fell in love and they just wanted to express themselves in this way through this certain kink or they might just be not necessarily strangers but you know people who played together for some time and they wanted to try something like that and here they are they're experiencing that and they're doing that and that's more something that they agreed upon rather than you being someone that i haven't uh even heard of don't right. know what you look like and you're already asking me about a bbc those are con- completely Com- completely different things, different things. <laughs> right right and then i also think that for people who you know kind of innately fetishize other people based on the nature of you know like your skin or your background or you know just even objectification like it's because of the fact that i think again as we talk about schisms they feel entitled to you mm. 
you know, that sense of entitlement, like the fact that I can think this, even for like, even if they don't necessarily act on anything, the fact that you think this is the fact that you feel like you're entitled to me, like you're mm -hmm. entitled to the nature of my body or where whatever it is that you are trying to fetishize or objectify. And it's a, it's a problem. And that is precisely why uh, in King communities, even as people are talking about scene play and role play and these kind of things where I was uh, hearing a talk recently that was really transformative. And, you know, they were talking about how people automatically assume, like if you're into uh, fetishes or kink that you don't need to, like all sorts of judgment, you know, kind of goes out the window because you're doing something that is outside of the, what you would think of in air quotes, vanilla sex. Mm -hmm. And I liked how the panel of people were putting it because they're like, no, all communities judge, even kink communities. Mm -hmm. Like, and as if you're going to participate in kink, or if you are going to engage in the nature of a fetish or anything like that, you should judge because you need to discern who and how you want to be involved with people, you right. know? And so the nature of it is that you need, if you're going to engage in a, in a scene play or, you know, some type of fetish, it's like, Hey, how long is this activity going to happen? What are some defined roles that we have? You know, so on and so forth. There's a whole bunch of questions that, you know, you need to, you need to ask negotiating, you know, negotiating um, those kinds of uh, those kind of uh, labels or, you know, roles, uh, for you, you know, who's giving, who's receiving, you know, and, you know, just, you know, all of those things, you know, setting limits, you know, and it's one of those things that, again, going back to entitlement, you know, you should not let have, you should not let everybody have access to you, mm. you know, and so it's kind of to say that if you do have a particular fetish or you do have a particular kink it's wonderful to explore those things it's wonderful mm -hmm. to explore that but but you need to be safe about who you explore that with agreed agreed you know there's a whole background and there's a whole culture into uh you know engaging in scenes like if you're gonna if you are into some sort of impact or knife play yeah you need to be judging the person who's having a knife in their hand if you are engaging in fire because you like fire play or something like that, if that person is engaging in scenes and they don't have a bowl of water next to them, yeah, you need to be scared. <laughs> like, so I'm just saying, you know, do your homework, people, before you uh, decide to engage in certain fetishes and certain kinks. And again, do not let do not let people feel that they are entitled to you. Mm -hmm. Just because I engage in this. That doesn't mean if we innately have a sexual or intimate relationship that that's what we're going to engage in. Mm -hmm. You know, so dealing nations. Look, and I say that's some um, great advice for dating in general too. You you mm -hmm. really do have to suss people out. Like that's yeah. like when it, most definitely when it comes to the kink community. I remember uh, I was watching um, a show. Uh, it's called Indisputable with um, Rashad Rashad Ritchie. It, it goes on TYT, but. Um, I was watching it and on one of those episodes, he had Ricky Smiley on and there was this story of this guy who went to this um, a woman's house. Um, it was a black man, white woman, and um, they were, you know, he was going there to hook up with her and um, of course, there was a little bit of kink shaming in this, but cool. uh, this is beside the point, but 
they um he went over there to engage in sex with this woman and she ended up tying him up and whatnot and she had plans to kill this man and of course he didn't know that he was just thinking that she was just extra kinky and whatnot and this man almost died Mm. and i i tell this story to say you cannot trust everybody regardless if most definitely if you're feeling uncomfortable and you have not agreed upon whatever this person is trying to do do not pass go leave leave get put your clothes on if they try to pressure you tell them you are uncomfortable you're just going to go home talk about it later but don't talk about it later block that motherfucker anyways um just tell them that you're going home and if they continue to try to you know keep you from leaving now you got a legal case call the call the police whatever you need to do get your get some kind of help to get yourself out of there because right. and if you have done your homework on the nature of kink you sh- you would know by that point not to even put yourself in a situation like that. And it's not to say it wouldn't happen, but there is a aspect of kink called aftercare, which of course we don't have to get into, but it is the nature of, hey, whatever it is that we just engaged in um, or even attempted to engage in, there always needs to be some form of aftercare where we're both checking in to see about our fit, checking about our feelings and to see if like this is something that hey do we continue doing or or not you know so again just the nature of aftercare with the nature of um of BD, of BDSM but also you know i also don't want us to you know kind of have this aspect where you know we talk about fetish we talk about kinks i mean all of it is meant to be fun it's mm-hmm. meant to be explorative and and just know that even if you set limits, limits can change, but you have to work that out gradually. Mm-hmm. You know, so one of the great things I liked, and this goes uh, in, in, for indulging in the nature of fetishes and kinks, um, a workshop I attended um, last year, uh, I like how it was spoken about, you don't have to go from zero to a hundred in just the matter of a, you know, of a few minutes. Like if you have a particular fetish or you have a particular kink that you want to kind of know more about, of course, read up on it, study Mm -hmm. it, you know, maybe attend a workshop or two, but also, you know, if you, so say for instance, hey, you like to be spanked, right? If you are someone that likes to be spanked, but it's kind of like, you don't have to go from zero to a hundred. You don't automatically have to go out and get yourself a flogger, you know, or something like that. Use household items, use maybe like a wooden spoon or something. See, like if you, you know, pat yourself on the bottom or, you know, you did it to like your partner, you know, like see how that feels. And then you can increasingly, you know, gradually go from there. So that's also something else to take into consideration. Like just because you have a particular fetish or you have a particular kink, you don't have to go from zero to a hundred in, in a second, because, Hey, you may like, uh, a lower level of impact. You may like a medium level of impact, or you may get to that place where you're liking the nature of the flogger, mm-hmm. you know, but you don't know and you don't want to test your bounds too fast. Agree. And another thing I want to add on that is making sure that, okay, if someone tells you that uh, they have no limits or they have no boundaries, do not engage in Red that. Flag. Um, do Red not- flag. Red flag. 
go away. <laughs> they need to understand themselves a lot more. And it is not up to you to figure out what that limit is. Find somebody who knows what their boundaries are, what their limits are, and you can discuss and communicate about that a lot easier. And if Ooh. you are one of those people who feel as though that you don't have any boundaries, I will say sit with yourself understand yourself a lot more and figure out what those may look like for you because the reason why is because we all have boundaries we all have limits and if you have none there are some reasons why and you just don't understand the reasons and so figure that out and once you do figure it out you will understand exactly what what those are exactly it's a red flag for reasons yeah and i do want to just kind of name drop and i'm sure that you know probably it'll be like listed in like the resources section or you know wherever Vern keeps his wonderful wonderful uh you know uh afterthoughts for our after show um there is since we've been talking about you know kind of black fetishization i do kind of want to throw an article that's out there it's a you know a very uh, short article it came out in 2013 but it's still very uh prominent uh, from a um, sex positive black feminist. She's a social worker, a blogger uh, based in New York. She does a lot of topics about mental health, sexuality, politics. Uh, her name is uh, Feminista Jones. And uh, she has an article in Ebony called Talk Like Sex, uh, Race Play Ain't for Everyone. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful short article. So if you are, you know, curious about this conversation or, you know, you're trying to figure out where this conversation, you know, kind of stems from, uh, definitely feel free to um, to check out that article as well. You know, uh, definitely. You need to send me that so I can make sure I put that in the show notes. But um, the thing um, that crossed my mind when you uh, said um, race play is not for everyone, I thought about, oh, because my mind was kind of still stuck in the how can white people be fetishized? And then I thought about the, oh, you know, those com- those porns that are like, oh, you like this white cock and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. And for for me, even when that thought crossed my mind, I was like, mm, that can that can be it. But at the same time, that is more so of uh, affirmation at that point, and not yeah. a fetish, uh, because of um, whiteness being the standard. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you say yes, then it's like, oh. Well, you know, that's that's what you're supposed to like anyway. So, of course. Mm. And if you say no, then it's just like, well, fuck you. Uh, well, I, I'm joking. They're not going to say, well, fuck you. It's just, okay, whatever. <laughs> We're still fucking. So, I don't know. That, that and, just again, my mind. and again, for everyone that's listening, it's, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, to do as I do or, you know, anything like that. But again, as I've ventured into the past, you know, year or so, delving into I've always been a, a the aspect of I always like to understand why mm-hmm. I like the things that I like or you know why does this turn me on and you know things like that so of course with me being a student a researcher all of that that plays into my mind you know how I like to dissect things anyway but if there if you are you know having certain fetishes or you're thinking about the nature of kink you know again it's not to say that you need to go like full steam ahead, but, you know, start to question, you know, start to delve into some, you know, a little bit of research. There's a lot of great resources out there. If mm-hmm. you are wanting to know about the nature of Black Kink, there are like, there's a particular website. I think it's, uh, I want to say it's from Sugar Butch, I think, that like come with like six uh, focused like Black Kink 
um, uh, texts that, you know, delve into, um, delve into very different, uh, delve into very different topics. So there is resources, uh, there's resources out there. So I say, you know, get yourself educated for as much as you can attend, you know, some online free talks and workshops, except if you are attending, you know, black, um, black, you know, kink events, you know, definitely, you know, if you can pay a little money, you know, give back into, you know, pour back into your community because people, you know, they don't work for free. But sometimes, you know, you can catch a lot of times you can catch, um, you know, great online workshops if you're just having general interest about something. So there are resources out there. So don't just go delve all the way into engaging in fetishes or engaging in kinks that you don't know a history of, you don't know mm -hmm context of and you're just going off of you know what you feel in the moment and a key part of understanding that is also understanding that not all uh kink has to be a sexual situation you mm -hmm. know so when we're talking about dominant and submissive or you know other kinds of dynamics that is not always involving sex there's a lot of psychology mm -hmm. involving the mm -hmm. nature of fetish and kinks so just because you may have a desire or you have a fetish for a particular body part or a particular object or something like that, again, that's playing into also the psychological aspect as well. Exactly. Mm, so, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, just understand, just understand what it is that, you know, you're trying to engage with or even just fun exploring, you know, with the nature of yourself. It's always good to know, hey, this is where this kind of arousal for me, you know, kind of stems from. It gives you so much rich language to talk with people on. And especially for people that you are being intimate with or you may become intimate with, it makes for some really erotic and fun conversations. Agreed. And I will also say, well, to add on to that for anybody who's just uh, looking to explore different things, different sides of sexuality, if you have the opportunity to ever go to a SAR, uh, SAR stands for Sexual Attitude Reassessment and Restructuring Training. If you ever have the opportunity to go to one, do so. Uh, go yeah. into it with an open mind. There's going Going to be some things that make you uncomfortable some things that make you excited and it's all about understanding why having that space to self-reflect on yourself and sexuality it's a beautiful thing and afterwards like i've participated uh, participated in one like i've already was a sex positive person prior to that but even afterwards it opened my eyes to some completely new things that I never thought I would um, be interested in exploring. And it also uh, showed me some of the things that I know I'm not, just not going to be into at all. Uh, and also um, it brought a space of accepting the other things that most people just be like, oh my God, you would, I would never do that. But just finding acceptance and I don't have to do that. So it is what it is. Whatever the people do in their bedrooms, I, it's, who am I to judge? And usually I don't judge. So, <laughs> but still, it's a very great opportunity if you ever find one. Um, another thing to close out this episode, and uh, before we get into, you know, never have I ever and whatnot. Uh, something that we did talk about in the intake uh, stemmed from, you know, uh, people of color, having to educate their partners of their experiences of being fetishized. Um, what words do you have? It can be words of encouragement, advice, or even some of your own personal experience of having to educate friends uh, or, you know, potential partners on your experiences. What is that like for you? 
Yeah. So I'm going to speak to both sides of the aspect. If you are someone of color and you are dating someone who is, you know, another ethnicity or background, mm -hmm. um, encourage your partner to do their their own research, because it should not fall on you to educate, you know, your partners about a whole historical kind of context and overview. Your partner should be coming to you to talk about how has this shown up for you? Um, and sometimes I tend to think that that's a battle with the nature of being sometimes, I think, in interracial relationships, or at least what I've been told by other people. They feel like they have to take on everything that goes on for that entire, you know, group of people. And mm. again, you're just one person. Your experience is not going to be the same as, you know, another person's ex exactly the same as another person's experience. So if you are a person of color and you are in an interracial dynamic, uh, or relationship, should I say, um, you know, make it the responsibility of your partner to, you know, kind of read this sort of context, you know, you know, look at this or, you know, kind of engage in that and then come back and we can have this conversation about how this shows up for me. On mm -hmm. the flip side of that, to any um, <clears throat> white viewers that are listening or, you know, like you, you know, come from, uh, you know, points of view that are outside a person of color, um, same message. Don't expect your partner to be, uh, the sole kind of voice, you know, with this. And there is a difference between being empathetic and being an allyship. So it's, and when we talk about being an allyship with our partner is that not only do I, it's, it's kind of like being empathetic to your partner is like, okay, yeah, I'm listening to you. But of course, because I don't have that experience, there's only a certain, level of which you know i can understand which is true but mm -hmm. to be in true allyship means that you are putting your partner first in whatever it is that they are needing at those particular times in those particular moments and that you are not standing um you know in front of them or behind them you're standing with them mm. so just to you know kind of know that and don't feel bad about what it is that you know or don't know I think that sometimes, you know, the play into white guilt, you know, can stop sometimes partners from asking hard questions. If you are supposed to be in relation, you're supposed to be intimate, you know, with this person, you need to go there. You need to be asking those questions, even if your partner hasn't even, hasn't thought about that, those questions. But the fact that you're bringing that you're bringing that up, make them think about it. Mm. And I don't think I could have said that better than myself. Um, so, yes. <laughs> uh, I would say the uh, only thing I would add on to that, most definitely when it's like within early stages of things, and um, this is uh, going off of like personal history yeah. and whatnot, and being willing to have these conversations with somebody up front. Because um, I've, I've been asked multiple times by people on apps and whatnot, it's like, oh, are you into white guys? I'm like, I'm not opposed to white dudes. But at the same time, I do have um, racial trauma that, I, of course, I have to deal with for myself and I mm. do work through, um, which means I don't automatically close that door to other people. But uh, if you're interested in me, you have to recognize that that's something that you're going to have to like deal with before we can even become intimate because I don't know who 
who you are. I don't know which type of white person you are. Are you the one that sees me as being a whole human being, or are you someone who's just here to objectify me, uh, fetishize me as well? Are you here to just um, make me into a BBC or just, you know, what, what is your approach here? And on top of that, uh, in these spaces, do you recognize that you have a power dynamic that automatically is, um, there like it's not that oh you know i've had troubles this that and the third throughout my life okay that's great and all but that does not erase that outside of your personal experience uh in my personal experiences when we go out into public you have a different kind of treatment than i will ever receive is that something that you're willing to acknowledge uh and having these conversations early on makes it a lot easier too Uh, it makes it so that when you, um, when you get to those points where you have uh, something crucial that happens in society, in your own neighborhood, in, within your family that y'all have to talk about, this makes those conversations so much easier. Yeah. It makes them going out to get their education about your, uh, your experiences a little bit easier. It helps tie in the historic aspect of your experiences as well as those um, personal experiences. Yeah, because in on the outside of the frame of just, you know, like hookup culture or whatever, where you may be with somebody every once in a while or for a night, if you are in the nature of dating or wanting to be in a serious relationship or things like that, these are things that eventually are going to manifest and come up no matter if you've talked about them or not mm -hmm. and it's kind of like you have to ask yourself would you have rather dealt with this early on and you know even if there's you know some hang-ups like we could have worked past it you know other than oh getting to like oh we're three years into our relationship and now this is manifesting in some sort of way and now we in we in some deep trouble mm-hmm Don't manifest a lie in your relationship, y'all. Mm. <laughs> Deal with it up front. Mm. So, are you ready for a little bit of Never Have I Ever? I am. Awesomeness. So, never have I ever been walked in on while having sex? Never have. Never have. Um, I would say, hmm... You know, you always got a two-party. <laughs> I really do. I really do. I, I think I, I have. I, I believe I've I've been walked in on while having sex, but the um, person who walked in did not realize that uh, I was having sex. So that Ooh. doesn't. That doesn't. I, I guess it doesn't count. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but I have. Um, but yeah. Um, we may we may need to do a special a holiloquy podcast after dark. To get more <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> um i think i think it only happened once like usually i don't uh whenever i do have hookups or whatever it's like i'm like that's part of the reason why i love having my own space is that mm -hmm. i don't have to worry about somebody walking in right uh, and whenever i had roommates in the past be it, it was my apartment i still didn't do it solely because i'm like okay i don't want to have that experience of them knocking on the door and i have a whole ass motherfucker up in here and now i have mm -hmm. to be like now 
do I introduce them? Like, what did we do here? Right, like, yeah. I'm in here fucking. Leave me alone. Well, right. Like, <laughs> read the read the signs. Read the signs. Why are you here? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be at your family's place. What the fuck? But yeah, yeah, so. yeah. That was an easy one for me because, like, anytime I've had like intimate relations, it's always been like just me and the me and the person. Like, mm-hmm. nobody is like really around or anything like that no roommate you know type of you know type of situation and I think like that's one of also a main reason why I can't wait to move into like the next stage of my life and having you know my own space and things like that because I can't see me trying to set like an intimate mood with people with like knowing like somebody could just walk through the door like like you say there has to be circumstances around that like the only time where I think if I did live with roommates like I would feel comfortable with that is like if I know like my roommate is out of town Mm-hmm. or you know something like that but it's like if they could just come home you know from partying or coming home from work or it's like why would i want to create that type of space anyway exactly all right so you want to would you rather sure so would you rather sleep with your high school crush or your celebrity crush uh celebrity crush same same honestly it's going like i don't even know why that that was a a question in this like of course it's going to be the celebrity yeah i didn't really have high school crushes just because like there's a lot of like i I had latent development like with like sexuality and things like that so i mean it's not the fact i didn't have like i think crushes but it's like i wasn't even in that type of like mind frame Mm -hmm. like, like back in school but yeah, my celebrity crushes, both uh men and women, like, yeah, we could we could we could get it. Look, my celebrity crushes all the time. Let's let's go ahead and make this happen. Uh I will say, like, in terms of high school crush, uh I actually tried. I actually tried. They were not Ooh. interested, and I'm okay with that, and I accept that. Uh this is like you shot adult. your shot though. Yeah, this was like adult me. So well, I can't say I really shot my shot. It was more of a tender thing. So I was like, if they swipe left or swipe right. <laughs> well, I consider it to be a shot. Hey, you went for it. Right, right. I went for it. But at the same time, I don't have tender anymore anyway. So fuck it. Um and um, yeah, if it's if it was the celebrity, motherfucker, what's up? Yeah. That would kind of it's not to say like that would be the epitome, but you could definitely like say like that would just definitely be something like i didn't even know like was on my bucket list but like if i had one like it would definitely be crossed off (laughs) exactly like (laughs) i would just be like if i have my celebrity crush and my high school crush in the same room Mm -hmm. it's just like motherfucker you basic (laughs) <laughs> that's towards the uh, high school crush like and to clarify we're not objectifying we're saying the embodiment of who so oh yes because i'm going to treat them right are. this has look, nothing to do with objectification it's like, like i'm trying you know to who you are look i'm trying to walk away with the damn babe <laughs> <laughs> exactly i'm trying to go up in the world I'm trying to have you love me. I'm bringing that S-class sex to you. What mm. the fuck? Look, when I tell you I bust the windows out the car, mm. I'm busting the windows out the car, and I'm saying their windows, not like their physical car. Like, I, I did my thing on the... I, I thang the thing, mm. and they bust. Okay? That's all I'm saying. That's Look. Well, you better be careful. You <laughs> <yourself. laughs> 
Oh, I'm not that person. I'm not that person. Look, y'all, if y'all hear anything that Vernon bust somebody's windows out his out their car slash tires, all this other shit, I don't know what Vernon y'all talk about. It's not this nigga over here. I'm not that stuck on anybody's dick ass pussy and nothing like that because ain't no way. I don't know how y'all be doing that shit. Got too much time on your hand. If if, if you if you feel judged by that statement, well, that's on you. <laughs> Look, then we just get talking about you should judge. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Like, is a key to life. <laughs> Cause look, if that's you, we ain't dating. You you you've displayed to me that you are not someone that can have an adult conversation when you are in times of aggression. And, and, uh uh-uh. uh, we cannot we cannot date. I'm sorry. Be Nobody great. Be be beautiful. Be amazing, and stay the fuck over there. I don't want it. <laughs> Would you like a sex question? For sure. This is easy. Do you masturbate? If so, how often? Oh, easy. Yes. Uh, second part, <laughs> often. <laughs> I'm so fucking done. Not a number, just often. <laughs> okay. No, at first I was thinking of a number, but then I was like, no, like, let me not put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so done for myself because I am a virgin. I do masturbate. <laughs> I need to stop lying. <laughs> I love all virgins, though. Y'all do y'all. Well, in 2023, I've been a virgin. Listen, 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 reversionalize. Yes. Ooh. Haven't had sex all year. Mm. Did exactly. I have sex this year? I sure is. I, <clears throat> keeping up with the lie. Um, anyways. <laughs> and I'll say again, we haven't had anything to drink yet. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Mm. All right. So. Do I masturbate? I surely do. And I will have to steal your answer and say often. And so this, okay, it's going to be on uh, the vibrator in my pod whenever, you know, those episodes start rolling out. But so I have this um, toy that came in um, that I was testing and I call her the white woman because I didn't I didn't want the white woman, nothing against white women, of course, but I, I do like some shade to my toys and the you know what i'm going to engage in so they sent me the wrong one and i'm like okay whatever i'm still going to test it but i will say that toy is amazing it's heavy as hell Mm. but it's actually amazing like it's it's one of those partial body dolls Mm. and um so it has her vagina and asshole and everything and the weight makes it so much better like i've seen the ones that people be using online and you know they will fuck it hard enough that you know it's kind of their dick is going on the other side of it and it's like i'm beating the walls out this one i don't i don't see that happening um with anybody because it's really a deep hole but at the same time you're not going to be jumping that thing one-handed up and down on your dick you're not masturbating yourself. You pick this little, you pick that bitch up and drop her ass. Oh, mm. it's gonna, it's gonna be some weight on that one. Mm. It's gonna be some weight. Child, I had fun with her last night. That's all I can say. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Def, highly recommend. Highly recommend. Objectifying toys, not people. People. It, yes, yes, <laughs> that part. <laughs> <laughs> but like. 
it was it was really good. I will say, in terms of the company, I'm like, okay, I could tell that y'all are only in the market for white people because y'all don't have anything darker than like a Manila folder on this. But mm -hmm. you make great toys. Yeah. You make great toys. They figure they had their status quo, so they good. They good. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not mad at them because they know who they're marketing to and who they're selling their products to. And I'm like, continue to do y'all. But if y'all could find like a, another brand using y'all same materials and, you know, create some darker skin, you could change the title. Ain't nobody going to say anything. Mm. I'm just like, I'm here. Cause look, the ass felt so good. Meaning like just holding on it, it, mm. it felt like moisturized skin. And I'm like, what mm. the hell is going on? I should not be liking this toy so much, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Talk slow. Me and her might have a date tonight. Mm. Let mm. me go get some wine and just like, hey girl, how you doing? I heard that she was looking for me and I just decided to show up, you know. Right. Let me play a little bit of Usher, a little bit of Alicia Keys, set the mood, shit like that, you know. I just wanted to spend a little bit of time with you and whatnot. Anyways. <laughs> so look out for that episode when that podcast starts, you know, when that episode comes out. Whew. Anyways, so before I ask for your last words, um, before we close out the episode, Tyrell, I just want to remind everybody that November is on its way. So y'all need to get y'all asses ready for these conversations. Did I tell you one of the um, topics I have? Mm -mm. So I still need to develop the other nine, but this one uh, I'm all here for. It's okay. um, horniness is a drug. Oh, you're wonderful. Right? I cannot wait to have that conversation. Oh, that's oh, going to be good. So, oof, y'all look out for November. It's going to be great. So, Tyrell, do you have any last words that you'd like to share with the audience? Oh, just, you know, ed again, educate yourself on the nature of Black fetishization. If you're not familiar, again, be mindful. If you do engage in fetishes and kinks, do your homework, do your history for a little bit of history, see how that is showing up in your feelings for you, and have fun. Have fun creating your limits. Have fun with who you engage with. Again, do not be open all access to everybody, and mm. do you. Amen to that. On that note, Tyrell, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank skeet, you skeet. For having me. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. Um, to the audience out there, thank you all so much for listening to the Holy Lucky Podcast. Well, we step out and speak on sexuality. And just in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful. You are worthy of happiness and joy. You are enough and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that said, I love you all, and I'll see you next episode. Bye! Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.